2: Live from the Nasdaq market site, overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Karen Fireman, Dan Nathan, and Steve Grosso. Feeling the burn, investors slamming the brakes on Peloton as it makes its debut. So is the IPO market showing big signs of cracking? We are digging in. We've got an earnings alert on Micron. That stock moving lower after reporting results. The company's conference call is about to get underway. We'll break down the big headlines and later, beyond loving it. Mickey D sinking his teeth into the meatless phrase. We'll have all the juicy details straight ahead. Oh, no. We begin. You like that? <laughs> no, I wish I did. <laughs> we begin with another tech wreck on Wall Street. The FANG stocks fumbling in today's session, adding to an already rough week. Facebook, Amazon, Netflix all posting big losses over the past few days. So is this FANG free fall going to start taking down the broader market? Tim.
3: Well, you know. Some of this fang freefall is something I think we saw three to six months ago. Clearly, when you got some of the regulatory headlines on DOJ in June, you saw some big moves. Facebook and Google have really had a tough time getting out of their own way. Amazon, which effectively got back up to uh, all-time highs, and has not exceeded that. So I'll let the chartists talk about that. But when you think about what the market has been doing for the last month and then the last four or five months, yes, we saw this interesting rotation into more cyclical stuff about a month ago. But really, the defensive rotation is something that's been alive and well for probably six six to nine months as evidenced by utilities. That is an environment where I don't think you can see Fang outperform. That's an environment where I think the multiples have finally caught up to a lot of these stocks. I know the multiple on Google. Not so much. I know the Google on face on the, the multiple on Facebook. Not so much, uh, but I think again you've got regulatory pressures on top of very high multiple stocks, and we could get into the fundamentals on on Netflix. But you know, I- I'll leave that for. Uh, on else top as
2: well. of that powerful rotation that you also brought up into value stocks, right into value. I actually
4: think that Facebook and Google could be considered value. I think you know for a while they'll just sort of trade with the headlines on antitrust, or uh, but but I think it's going to be another three and a half four weeks before we see earnings. To me, that's what they're. Well, that is the ballast for these stocks. If they return, you know, if they if they continue their growth trajectory, then I think the stocks will be fine. Today, it actually it was awful. It was off more. Closed. Uh, it didn't close in the high, but it didn't. You know, down less than half a percent. I like Google here. I, I like Facebook too, even though obviously bad headlines. It could trade down.
5: You know, you mentioned the the chartists. I mean, just looking at Amazon and looking at Facebook, what I think is really interesting today is that these stocks are broken below the uptrend that's been in place from their December lows. You know, I, I think it is important to remember that when those DOJ and the FTC headlines came out in early June, these stocks got nailed, and they're up considerably from then, but they've really stalled at a point where they never made new highs with the market. The S and P has made two new highs since then, um, and they did not confirm those highs. And when you look at those sorts of breakdowns below those uptrends, you start to say to yourself, okay what is that next thing? It is earnings. And I'd say for Amazon, this could be a really dicey quarter for them. Last quarter, they saw revenue uh, acceleration. They saw unit acceleration. They had put in place in the spring this one-day prime shipping. But what they also saw is expenses go uh, go up way, way up. And the stock has really stalled since then. So when I think about Amazon, that's the one I think has got a lot of risk, at least on the expense front. And we know that when these high multiple stocks, this is high multiple. This is yes. not value uh, like your app, Google yeah. and your Facebook. Yeah. Um, it can be unforgiving. And just think about, Netflix now, which is down almost 40 percent from its highs,
6: never made a new high with the s and I think it's year. about positioning. I think it is about value. It is about growth. I don't like Google. I don't like Facebook because of the regulatory hurdles. I don't like Amazon. I think it sets up to be a, a, a real disappointment. But what I do like is Netflix. Microsoft. Oh, oh. yeah. Oh, Apple going back
2: to his MAGA. Oh, right. Microsoft oh, and Apple.
6: I think those the, those are the ones that can lead the market higher. Yeah. -hmm. Not the FANG. I don't think FANG. It doesn't matter. If FANG
2: fang falls out of bed, in your view, that's not a problem for the market. No, it's a problem. I don't think we can
6: go dramatically higher, but I don't think we necessarily have to go dramatically lower. As long as we have, as long as we have mag, well, sort of mag, mag. as long as we have mag, I think I (laughs) think we're okay there because Apple and Microsoft, those charts look intact to me. Yeah, I would just mention one
5: point. One of the things that's interesting about Netflix, and we know it's a $100 billion market cap company. We know the other ones in MAGA are $800, $900 billion ones, and they have a much bigger impact on the broad market. But what's interesting about Netflix, and it goes back to your point about positioning and sentiment, is that this was a much loved story. People really didn't care that they would lose $3, 4000000000 billion in, in free cash flow to
3: compete on the content front. And now they do. And
5: but that's they cared really as long what's most. the
4: subscribers were really That's right. And then, then last right. quarter. Last quarter.
3: People didn't care about the multiple Amazon for years as well, right. and, and I think you, you bring up. But that's decade. my only point. I, I'm not telling you that's going to happen in Amazon. I'm just saying it. Well, for for all you guys who love your maga, and I realize yeah. there's different color yeah. hats over there with yeah. your maga, but, but <laughs> Mine's blue, his is red. Right. Right. I don't like. I don't like the multiple on Microsoft. And I, I tell you, I think cloud, and we we saw this was Amazon, and that may be one of the reasons why Amazon's been under more pressure. AWS is not growing as it used to. The margins are not there. This is a highly competitive competitive, and and maybe it's not commoditized yet. And I I do think. That very few can compete with Microsoft in terms of a multi-platform offering, but there are those that can. And pricing has to come down; it's not going up. I don't know how so, the multiple expansion. I don't so know if it has, to, has I don't to know if it ha-
6: but when you look at the revenue sources that you see in Microsoft, they're evenly split. Like you know, with Apple were worried we're, were worried that services are not going to come on strong enough. But when you look at Microsoft, they're pretty evenly split. And I don't know if people can compete with Microsoft. To the extent that you think they can, that's why I think it's well, staying t- on the but, top of the
5: hill. But to, to Tim's point, that AWS did actually see margins go down in that last yeah. quarter. That was something that people were concerned about. And ultimately, if they want to kind of protect their market share, they're going to actually have to compete on price. And that's when you get to well, the commoditization. Well, Bezos told us.
6: Uh, d- Jeff had told us this was going to be an investment yeah. cycle for him. And when he does that, it it scares me because it's almost a warning sign where he's so just we're floating spend out, money. saying we're going to spend money. Right. You're not going to see any earnings. So just be prepared for that. But we're still Still cool. The broader, That's the way it the tells broader
2: question though is in this market environment, do you want to I mean are you would you be worried that higher multiple stocks and we've seen this already for a lot of the software sector Come, and cloud stocks, for, for that matter, come off. I mean, isn't this the of environment course. where you
3: where it, you sell right now? Of course. You, look, you don't have you don't have the growth to justify the multiple, and you have a market that is not growth at all costs. In fact, is it you know? Uh, so it's nice that we saw the rotation into into value and cyclicality, But again, um, I think that was defensive rotation, frankly. With the exception of banks, mm-hmm. um, what we saw in a lot of those names, I think, are places where people feel comfortable hiding, and, and so that is the environment, and is as encouraging as it as it has been that Hey, we've been looking for market breadth. And people have said, hey, it's not, you're never going to get led this market higher That the transports and the banks. Um, that's nice, although transports... So is the but is Fed the rotation essential. to Microsoft defensive as well? Is that, what, is that what you're saying? Microsoft historically would have been. Mega cap tech would have been defensive. These other names we mentioned would have it's been. It's crossed the line. But, this but I, with the I, I mean, it, it, certainly the Facebook chart and the Netflix charts are terrible charts, as you point out. Those are head and shoulders charts that look like you're about ready to test down to the other shoulder. Um, and, and these are massive market cap weightings in this market so uh, we haven't really talked about apple but apple's the one place that i think along with google you have a little bit of a combination of a chart evaluation but google and but
6: with apple you don't get a dc trade you don't get that headwind the same way that you get it with a google google it, it they're all over okay, Con-
4: but but you do have a company that's potentially in the crosshairs of a trade war right i yeah. think that but apple we know we know a- that
6: we know that Okay. We know that already with Apple, and it seems to be impervious to that at this point. Not that not that it'll never back off on that, but it seems like the thunder is taken out of the uh, out of the sale. I'm going to mix metaphors at this point.
2: Well, hold on. <laughs> um, speaking of the trade, we've got a news alert on trade. Let's get to Kayla Tausche in Washington with the very latest. Kayla.
7: Hey, Melissa. Three sources close to trade talks tell me that that next round of U.S.-China talks will take place in Washington October 10th, and 11th. Of course, next week you have a politically sensitive holiday on October 1st for the Chinese. And then on October 15th, you have that delayed escalation of tariffs. So this round of talks will fall just between those two dates on the calendar. The Treasury Secretary has already confirmed that Vice Premier Liu He will be leading that delegation to Washington, it's unclear whether Leo He will be carrying the title of Special Envoy, which allows him to negotiate directly on behalf of China's leader, Xi Jinping. And that will be a busy week for President Trump as well. His re-election campaign just announcing he'll hold a rally in Minnesota the evening of the 10th. But perhaps on the 11th, we could see an- another Oval Office meeting. TBD, though, Melissa, but October 10th and 11th for those playing at home, the dates to circle on your calendar. Kayla, remind us just quickly, Liu He
2: had had the title of Special Envoy, Envoy correct? And then that was pulled?
7: He did. For multiple rounds this spring, he had the title of special envoy. That was one of the reasons why he was meeting with President Trump in the Oval Office, because they were on, as the Chinese saw it, equal footing, because Liu Hu was seen as being there on behalf of President Xi. He then was stripped of that title for a later round in May, when the Chinese backtracked from some of its earlier promises because of consternation among hardliners within the Chinese Communist Party. So there has been a divide over whether he should should have that title restored. We don't know whether he'll carry it this time.
2: All right, Kayla, thank you. Kayla Tausche in Washington with the very latest. We expected uh, the trade talks to happen, but of course, uh, in this world anything could have happened, so maybe it's good that we got confirmation at this point.
3: It's good we got confirmation. Uh, I, I don't think anybody is surprised by a headline that gives you you know, kind of a, a three-week window to, to begin to prepare for a conversation that may or may not happen after an important communist uh, holiday that no one's going to get in the way of. So, I mean, look at the trade data last night of Hong Kong and Singapore. Their industrial production in Singapore was down 7.5%. It was supposed to be flat. If you look at the export data out of Hong Kong, down seven straight months and not getting
8: better, it's a concern.
2: Okay, we've got breaking news uh, on the IPO market. Let's get to Dom Chu at headquarters. Dom.
8: All right. Wow is all we can say. This is with regard to Endeavor. This is the mega talent sports ma- management agency out there. It was set to put an IPO price tonight to trade tomorrow. Breaking news now. This is courtesy of Dow Jones citing sources familiar that Endeavor has pulled its plans for an initial public offering. Also, that it was, uh, again, that it, it is looking Due to weak stock market investor demand, that's according to a source at Reuters as well. So there's a lot of fluidity happening right now with regard to why Endeavor has pulled its pricing. Remember, earlier today, folks, it had reduced the size and scope of its offering. They reduced the shares they were going to sell. They reduced the price that they were going to sell those shares at. Uh, In what some uh, reports had claimed was weaker investor demand, Uh, sources told us at CNBC that there were were some good demand demand for those shares at prices lower than what the previous range was. But now it looks like, according to at least Dow Jones and Reuters sources, both saying that they have pulled the IPO due to weak stock market demand. Uh, this is, again, after it scaled back its offering, guys. We'll continue to monitor this. We'll kind of make some phone calls on our side here. But that's the reason why we're seeing this kind of news cross the wires. Melissa, I'll send things back over to you.
2: Don. just quickly, this, the language is important. So it is not just... Withdrawing it or delaying it, it is abandoning its IPO. Well,
8: this is the, remember, this is no formal announcement from Endeavor or its underwriting mm-hmm. banks. This is source reporting from both the Wall Street Journal and Reuters saying that they are going to abandon their initial public offering following weak stock market return. There is no indication right now formally from the company with regard to whether or not those plans could be resurrected at some point in the coming days or weeks or when the IPO market starts to pick up again. We are going to make some phone calls on our end here, but when we hear back from those, we'll let you know. But that's the reason why. This is, again, source reporting from those news outlets. This is not a confirmation by the company. That's important to note, guys. Right Back over to you.
2: Dom, thank you. Dom Chu. Um, So many questions surrounding this Endeavor deal. The first one is, how do you get to the eve of your IPO and then realize at that point, after scaling back the IPO earlier in the day, that there is weak demand for this thing the night before? Well, I think uh, clearly Peloton
4: did mm-hmm. not help, right? So, just the sentiment, right. I mean, last night it looked like Peloton actually would do okay. Maybe this morning actually was indicated at one point up, mm-hmm. right? It's closed down a lot. That clearly isn't good for them. I think that, you know, we have a market that is sort of turned on money losing but growing entities, right? this one is sort of a difficult one it's a mishmash of different businesses they say it's impossible to replicate that may be but it's also very hard to value and and it's losing a fair amount of money i think there's such momentum when they start down this process it takes so much energy to get an ipo done that it's i mean you want to really get it across the finish line almost at any price just to sell some and be public but I, I think they're probably doing the right thing. If they did it, priced it tonight, it would not trade well tomorrow, almost regardless of where they priced it.
5: Yeah, I think you're also forgetting the fact that we've seen some of the biggest IPOs in a decade, on this year, 2019, and most of them are underwater, right? So you have people who are sitting with these names. They gave their indications about where they thought the valuation was going to be. It was tricky then. But here we are, months now, with sitting with losses from Uber, from Lyft, from a lot of these other ones. And the little ones, the ones that did really well, the Zooms, they were so small, they didn't make up for all that stuff so at this point now you still have some of this funky valuation stuff going on and people are saying i'm much lower and that's just that, just that simple
3: well i don't want to run ahead i mean i know we're having a, a big ipo discussion later on in the show but here we are so i mean in terms of talking about this topic you know you, you've got a dynamic where first of all most of these guys are coming to market nobody needs to buy the stock anymore anyone who wanted to own this stock bought it in a private market that's become very sophisticated, very deep, and very liquid. You also have a dynamic where I think you've got a number of companies where, you know, frankly, you, you, you have leadership issues uh, and people have truly questioned whether uh, this is the right leader to take them to the next phase. They should have made these decisions before they went public in many cases because these are not... Startups—they're mature companies—and yeah. and finally, right. you have the banks. I mean, think about Wall Street or whoever's doing this. I mean, you know, there's a total conflict between what the banks want and what the company wants, uh, and or or what, what the public. Or wants. What the public wants, and and clearly, you have CEOs and again, leadership that want to get liquidity in their underlying business. So, to, to answer the question, how can you get to the night before? Because no one wants to believe that you're you're running out of gas. No one wants to believe that this IPO market overall is. But it is atrocious. Everything the, you The night see.
6: before and it really speaks to the risk off trade that you see in the overall market, all the IPOs equ- equate to directly to risk off.
2: It's funny because once once upon a time in this market, I'm talking once upon a time like a month ago or two <laughs> months ago, um, you know, these IPOs were seen as sort of the idiosyncratic growth source in this market, and so yeah. people wanted to go value, wanted to believe but, everything but then they wanted a, the idiosyncratic growth as well. Right. And here we are, and they're like, you know what? Doesn't make money, it, can't see a path to profitability, you know, there, there is
6: a part of me, Karen, just said before, you want to push it over the over the goal line, and there is a part of me that Says that you have to price it and you have to cut it just to get it out. Right. This is worse. I, we, I would rather read the headline that it was priced in the hole. They had to gain some attention. It's some smaller and something. They just got to, right. I but mean, to I'm say really, they pack yeah. out of it, that's atrocious for it's the market. And, and when they come back out, if they ever come back out, uh-huh. it's, a, it's a wall too high to climb.
4: But, I, but let me just add one thing. We saw Square, right? When Square, Square came public, it was a very difficult oh, yeah. tape. And ultimately, they decided, let's just get it done. We're selling a small percent of the company. We'll price it wherever we need to. And that's been a fantastic
2: story. Sure. I guess, you know, I, I think that's an easier sell then uh, how like how this. does this raise the bar for the other IPAs that are waiting in the wings?
3: Well I, I you know throw in their Small Direct Club which is down thirty five percent was you <laughs> know was trading Direct. at twenty three bucks last week, even like CrowdStrike which is down fifty percent from where it was so so the entire bar has changed and, and the I think you have to ask yourself, what has changed? It's not just a market philosophy on looking for profitability. I mean, you could look at the, the high-yield market that's having trouble getting deals done. The leveraged loan market is starting to show some cracks. So when the IPO market is caving in an environment where liquidity is alive and well... You know, I don't want to. I don't want to
2: start this is a to canary spook people for the overall <laughs> market.
6: it's been. But I think you said, where, how does it raise the bar? I think it might lower the bar when you see someone cancel. Oh, I was thinking long, that
2: the IPO, the quality, quality of, of that IPO has got to be much higher in order to actually. Or price Or price much lower, yes, or right. price
6: much lower. And sure. I think one of those has to give. But it's the value aspect where we start to see that rotation again kick into high gear, where people are grasping on on value versus any type of growth, whether it's a unit corn or whether it's a large-cap tech. Well, to your point about Canary, I mean,
5: WeWork will be a footnote for decades to come. You know, this may never trade in the public market. There may be bits and pieces of it that do. um, But, you know, did they redefine... Where's your office? What's that? Where's your office? Did they redefine (laughs) a commercial real estate business? Yes. Were they very disruptive? Yes. Were they led by some very interesting entrepreneurs that did some things? Yes. But that doesn't mean it has to be a $50 billion market cap company that's raised tens of billion dollars in the private equity market markets and debt markets and that sort of thing. So to me, that's what's different. And I think it's really interesting. When I started this business in the late 90s, there were all these four-letter names, X-C-I-T, Y-H-O-O, (laughs) A-M-Z-N, and no one knew what the heck they did, and no one was using really their products yet, and they didn't really have revenues. They certainly didn't have profits, but it was an exciting thing to think about how that was going to change the world. They were young companies. And that's, I guess, the point I'm trying to make. These are very mature companies that have been very disruptive, but the inability to articulate their path to profitability is the thing that's going to keep them in the doghouse probably for years to come.
2: All right. got to take a break here. Coming up, Tesla revving higher A CEO Elon Musk promises record delivery numbers are on the way. We've got the details ahead and later beyond me teaming up with McDonald's. We've got the details. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more fast money right after this.
1: At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. Tesla bouncing today as CEO Elon Musk promises record-breaking delivery numbers are on the way. Phil has got the details from Chicago. Phil.
9: Melissa, this comes from a report that was in the website Electric. They say that they have an internal employee email from Elon Musk where he says the company has a shot at delivering 100,000 vehicles in the third quarter. Now, remember, Tesla reports Q3 deliveries next week, and as you take a look at their deliveries year-to-date at just over, what, 158,000 vehicles, they have already guided to 360,000. So let's say that this report is accurate and that he says we've got a shot at 100,000 and they deliver 100,000. That would bring them up to about 260, meaning that if they can replicate 100,000, at least 100,000 in the fourth quarter, they would hit their guidance of delivering between 360 and 400,000 vehicles. Again, Tesla reports Q3 deliveries next week. And by the way, Melissa, 100,000 deliveries, that would be a record. The previous record was set last quarter when it was 95,000 vehicles.
2: Well, you know, for somebody who doesn't tweet anymore, it's really great that uh, news Emails like this can, can, make can, can, can <laughs> somehow still make it out. To uh, the media and investors and, you know. We asked
9: them for a comment. We said, could you release this email? Do you have a comment on this? We heard crickets from the official I'm sure. uh, PR people at Tesla.
2: All right. Phil, thank you. Phil LeBeau in Chicago. Uh, Wedbush coming out also saying uh, that they doubt that Elon Musk uh, and Tesla will actually hit the consensus numbers for deliveries when they report earnings. But here we are up 6 percent.
6: And, and down 27 percent year to date or thereabouts. But the tax credit, I think, goes away completely as of January 1st. So maybe there is a pull forward of people still. So it, trying to say maybe and we're not doubting him completely on this point, maybe there is a pull forward that he sells a little bit more ahead of that tax credit going completely
4: off. I'm not doubting him completely. Phil said next week they put out the numbers. Yeah, so it's the he first, should have a uh,
2: pretty good sense, right? Pretty. Which good. Which he's
3: not supposed to release, <laughs> by the way.
2: That may I mean, be. That's yeah. never been his thing. But I mean, is you know, keeping... a CEO allowed to write an email to his staff? Well, which is what uh, with this, which, which is what this was. Uh,
3: I, the fact that we're focused on deliveries right now, I think, is the wrong focus. Because, again, this is a company that had 95000 delivered last quarter. They lost a lot of money. They've got a major cash problem. Um, this isn't, we, you know, they can't make this car profitably. They can't make this car at $35,000. They can't make money. So, first of all, are we now focused on deliveries when we haven't been focused on deliveries before for every other quarter where they don't make deliveries? So, if you want to focus on deliveries now and get excited about them possibly coming up with 100,000, and maybe, maybe through Front, you know, front, front-loading a lot of sales to get to the bottom end of a 360 range with zero profitability and a big cash burn—knock yourself out. But a six percent pop on this news should not be—you should, you should be taking. What's
5: not the original guidance like 360 to 380 or something like that the when they gave the it Yeah, the, yeah the beginning year. of the year? I'll just say this: I'm kind of with Karen. You know, a week before the end of the month, they're probably going to get pretty close. It, your, your point is, is like, how much did they pull forward um, to do that? How much is in the channel? Are they, make,
3: are they profitable? Can they survive? Well, first are of
5: all, they, they're not even supposed to have a chance. But we know because we've all gotten emails that there's lots of cars out there. I got one. No, no, Um, I want to make one point and I want to tie together what we saw this week with WeWork. Let me tell you something. If this guy is talking, if they come in at like 85,000 cars Uh sooner or later, I, I think that. He runs the risk, even though he owns this board, of being removed from this company. Because at a certain point, he what's owns... What's
2: the trigger, though? He, what's the pain yeah. point? Because uh, for WeWork, ridic- WeWork had an, a massive outside investor, even though, even though economically on. Corporate had-
5: governance was the biggest issue, why Adam Neumann's not but- there, okay? You don't think that people have massive issues in corporate governance with Elon Musk? I do. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it, I, do. I mean, it's, he, he's the, one of the biggest abusers in the entire public market. Why hasn't it happened already? It's, I, I don't know He's, only, he's point, on the board. Uh, one of his big VCs on the board. Larry it's Ellison is best he's on the board. See it seems like that's the the already triggered yeah. for that
2: examination. It seems like it's
6: already everything's been triggered already. Well, sometimes you though,
5: you know, when you take a few hits at something like this, we've seen now some big big CEOs gone over some some issues like this. I'm just saying it, it, it opens yeah. the door. For oh, that it. should be a well, positive. They are public
2: already. Yeah, so there's it's that difference. Yeah, it's true. We got a news alert here on Las Vegas Sands. Let's get back to Dom Chu with the details. Dom. All
8: right, so Melissa, what we got are Las Vegas Sand shares spiking by about 4% on roughly 87,000 shares of aftermarket volume. This because there's an announcement saying that Las Vegas Sands is going to be the newest addition to the S&P 500. It will replace Nectar Therapeutics, which is now a $3 billion company, having lost about $6 billion worth of market value over the course of the past year. Las Vegas Sands goes into the S&P 500. For that reason, those shares are up about, again, 4.5%, 87,000 shares of pre-market volume. We'll keep an eye on the other shares. Nectar not really moving right now pre-market, but there have been just around, we'll call it 130,000 shares in the the aftermarket session for Nectar, guys. Back over to you, Melissa.
2: All right, Dom. Thank you. Dom Chu back in the newsroom. Up next, we're keeping an eye on shares of Micron. That stock is under pressure after reporting results. We'll bring you the very latest. Plus, another crypto alert. We'll find out what brought down Bitcoin today. Stick around. Fast Money be right back.
9: Investors pumping the brakes on Peloton. What the big drop means for the IPO market. Plus, McDonald's getting in on the fake meat craze. But will investors have the appetite? We're digging in when Fast Money returns.
0: At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need.
1: Is there anything you can't do?
0: Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything.
1: At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals... To academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.
2: We've got an update on the Endeavor IPO. We're hearing from the company that Endeavor is postponing its IPO. Earlier, we had reported that sources had uh, said to Dow Jones that it was abandoning the IPO, but it is postponing the IPO, the implication being that the IPO will happen at some later date. But remember, it was expected to begin trading tomorrow. Earlier today, it had already downsized its offering and lowered the range, uh, but we aren't going to get that IPO, at least for now. Moving on, recapping some earlier news out of D.C., that U.S. and China trade talks are now set to resume on October. October tenth and eleventh. Our next guest, though, says do not hold your breath on a trade deal happening. Let's bring in Morgan Creek Capital Management uh, CEO Mark Eusko. Mark, great to have you here on set. Thanks, Melissa. Not going to happen. At no, all, look, I, I,
10: <laughs> I, no, no, never. I mean, I even wore my my uh, trade war tie. Is it's that a panda, panda on one side, eagle. eagle on the other. Little uh-huh. sort of tug of war. Um, <laughs> look, there's not going to be a deal. Uh huh. There, there was a potential deal, maybe in the March time frame, and. U.S. backed away from it. That was all that China was going to take. Uh, U.S. wants China to admit wrongdoing. There's no chance they're doing that. So there's not going to be a deal. And the, the real problem that I see, this is a, a solution without a problem. Even if we announce a deal, what's going to change? Right? Global trade is not going to bounce back. Uh, there's not going to be really anything material in the numbers. It's like NAFTA. They changed three small things. They put a new name on it. They call it a big deal. It's not a big deal. You know, we're going to make a big deal with North Korea. Bunkers, nothing. We're going to make a big deal in the Middle East. Nothing. So there's a lot of talk out of Washington, D.C., not a lot of action. So I think if people are betting that the market's going to rally on a trade deal, sure, they'll be short-covering, short-term rally, couple days. But long-term, the fundamentals. I love that I'm not the outcast anymore. You guys were all talking earlier about problems with growth and the Mark, fang you stocks. you think you were an outcast and, before? Come on. We never always. made you think <laughs> No, no, no. You didn't make me feel that way. But I just, I mean, there was a lot of bullishness, not here necessarily, but on the market overall. Yeah. But there's been a lot of ebullience, and uh, I just don't get it.
2: You still, and, and fair warning, I mean, there, People out there might still think you're an outcast after we go over what you think the markets are worth right now. Because yeah, you yeah. actually think yeah. that they're overvalued and the markets yeah. would have to fall about 49%. 49% to Ooh. get to fair value. Outcast. 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 <laughs> now remember, remember. Well, you, we were together, how did you get to that number? Well,
10: again, we were together a year ago, right? right? October a year ago. And you asked me what I thought of the market. And I thought it was 40%, need a 40% fall to get to fair value. Okay, We're about the same level. The problem is earnings are less good. Earnings have fallen dramatically in the past year. So now the P-E ratio is higher, the valuation is higher, the Q ratio is higher. Every measure of valuation is much higher. We're 91%-ish overvalued on a you know, number of indicators. That would take 49% to get to fair value.
0: Mark
5: So going back to global trade, let's just say yeah. we get some sort of skinny deal that really is just focused yeah. on the trade deficit. And I think that is something that we should expect because it's really something that doesn't really take some substantive deal. If tariffs are an enforcement mechanism for a deal, um, will tariffs come off immediately, in your opinion? And is that one of the reasons why you don't see global trade bouncing back so
10: quickly? Yeah, again, I think the tariffs are, are tax on poor people. So it's a really bad plan. It's always been a bad plan. You know, two words, Smoot holly tariffs have never worked they're not going to work this time it's a bad idea should they come off absolutely they should come off they never should have gone on in the first place the problem is we're still fighting a war in washington that doesn't exist it went away 20 years ago 20 years ago it was all about made in china right we outsourced labor and pollution to china they sold us cheap goods and everything that was bought was made in china my friend's daughter said i thought i said santa claus brings the prices honey he does why they all say made in china Okay, so now it's not about made in China; it's about made for China. China is going to be the greatest consumer market in history over the next twenty years. They know that. Oh, I absolutely know that. That's where they're spending no, on. No, do they know that? I mean, that's the—they've been waiting for that to uh, transpire. And it doesn't seem like that is transpiring. Oh no, it is transpiring. They've taken sixty percent of their population out of abject poverty over the last twenty years. They've increased the standard of living. Go to Shanghai and see just the huge increase in. Population that is wealthy and middle class. The middle class is rising at an alarming pace. And all of this quality of life, the import numbers, you talked about the export numbers, they don't care about exporting anymore. It's all about importing. It's all about doing deals to grow consumer, technology, healthcare, consumer. The five biggest sectors over the last 50 years in the United States are going to be the five biggest sectors in China over the next 50.
4: Mark, let me ask you so you have this pretty dire. Outcasty kind of uh, prediction what is going to be the trigger do you think to get well, that ball again,
10: rolling? well again i just said the market's overvalued the market can stay, can value stay a long course. time and it has remember a year ago i said it was 40% overvalued okay it went down 20 and it was on its way to correcting and the way i talked about it was i said it would fall low single digits last year it would probably fall double digits this year a replay of 2001 and then it's 2020 that I'm worried about. That's when the debt bubble pops. Look, corporate debt in this country has doubled. When you say pops, what do you mean? Meaning pops. I mean, Enron, WorldCom, bankruptcies. But what triggers that debt bubble to pop? I mean, is it a recession? A recession. Growth, yeah. Okay. Recession, decline in growth, decline in the export numbers. All yeah. the things that we're seeing. But right? last year, though, the Mark, data. wasn't that
5: a bigger issue when rates were going higher, right? So refinancing all that corporate debt at much higher rates had the potential, even in, a, in a, just a smaller pullback in the economy. Now, yeah. rates are much lower. Is that going well, to kind of put it basis off? basis
10: points lower, and yeah. they're back where they were before they were. <laughs> the basis points. But my thing is, It's all about growth, and growth is gone. You're seeing it in the big growth names. You're seeing it in the big valuation drops. You're seeing it in IPOs being canceled. You're seeing it on the streets, right? You're seeing not as much traffic. You're seeing not as much tourism. Planes actually have room on them. So when growth slows, debt becomes less serviceable, and I think that's that's where we're headed. So it doesn't have to be the big, bad, ugly 2008 recession. Remember 2001? First quarter was negative. Second quarter was positive. Third quarter was negative. Didn't even have two back-to-back negative quarters. Full year was 1%, but it was still a recession. The market still fell 54%, peak to trough. And so I think that's the type of cycle we're in. Now, are we there? The problem with recessions is they're always called ex-post, not ex-ante. So we could be in a recession, and six months from now they call it and say, oh, it started in August. It started in September. I don't know.
2: Um, Quickly, before we go, Bitcoin was under 8,000 earlier today. Um, Buy it. Regardless, though, of the drop. If I said to you, Bitcoin dropped to 5,000, you'd say buy it. Buy it.
10: Because here's the thing. The daily price of Bitcoin doesn't matter. It's been alive for 10 years. In every year, other than one, 2015, it's made a higher low. The market cap has grown every single year. Every fundamental indicator of Bitcoin. Usage, wallets, block size, transaction size, number of transactions, every single one. Hash rate, making new highs. All of the indicators of the network and the network value are rising. The price of any asset fluctuates. Let's take Amazon. Amazon's been a public company for 20 years. In every year, including this year, it's had a double-digit drawdown. The average peak to trough, minus 31%. Twice, minus 90%. When was the right time to sell? Never. Who's owned it since the IPO to today? Jeff and his mom and dad. That's it. All
2: right. We're going to leave it there, Mark. All right. To Thanks. You. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having Mark me. Bisco Thanks for Morgan Creek Capital. Outcast. A.K.A. <laughs> Outcast. Uh, Mark likes EM. Well, I
3: tell you, if, if you have a, a trade deal of some kind, even a headline, I think you have a dynamic. I, I actually look at some of the emerging market Asian currencies and I see some downside skew. And, and uh, I I think valuations are extraordinarily interesting. Um, but if we're all talking about growth, we're all talking about credit issues. I've, I've seen this movie so many times. EM's not going to rally.
2: Coming up, uh, check out Cheers and Micron. falling after hours, we'll give you the highlights from the call. Plus, Carnival Cruise getting crushed on earnings today. And options traders are betting on even more trouble in paradise. We'll break down all the action. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Micron. That stock is down in the after-hours session. Josh Lifton has been in on the call in San Francisco. Hey, Josh.
11: So, Melissa, you know this stock had surged more than fifty percent year to date, heading into this print. Now, of course, uh, heading lower here in the after hours. Checked in with uh, Matthew Bryson of Wedbush. He covers Micron has a hold on the name. Uh, print was fine, in his words, uh, but the Q1 profit guide was disappointing. Uh, investors, he says, wanted to see gross margins stabilize. They are still coming down. Uh, yes, this is a company that does um, traditionally guide conservatively. He says, but investors were were looking for more. CEO Sanjay Marotra uh, talking about signs of improving. Industry demand, uh, but then also talked about what he called uh, near-term macroeconomic and trade uncertainties. Uh, what he said about one customer in particular, Huawei, was was interesting, and how that uncertainty uh, with Huawei is impacting his business. Take a listen to that.
4: We have applied for licenses with the Department of Commerce that would allow us to ship additional products, but there have been no decisions on licenses to date. <coughs> We see ongoing uncertainty surrounding U.S.-China trade negotiations. If the entity list restrictions against Huawei continue and we are unable to get licenses, we could see a worsening decline in our sales to Huawei over the coming quarters.
11: Uh, now, executives did talk about some of their end markets too. They talked about mobile. They said their company is still well positioned uh, to capitalize as five G accelerates in twenty twenty. But investors clearly not taking a lot of confidence in that. Uh, CEO uh, Sanjay Marocha will be on CNBC uh, tomorrow morning talking about this report, uh, the trends he's seeing in the macro and trade tension. So be sure to uh, stay tuned for that one, guys. Back to you.
2: All right, Josh. Thanks, Josh Lipton in San Francisco. This is one you were watching yesterday, Dan. Yeah.
5: So th- you know this one's interesting, right? So people are worried. About that uh, uncertainty about trade, but really um, the gross margin um, decline. I think that's something that you know you'll see in this site in uncertain sort of market where their OEMs are just going to squeeze them a little bit. And that's what's probably going on right here. But to Josh's point, the stock was up 53 4% into the print. It's rallied 20% in just the last month. So down 6.5%. And murky guidance that could get better if there was a trade deal. The stock
6: probably works back to those levels on anything. If you look at DRAM chart, NAND chart, they all ran up in 2018. Mm-hmm. So customers got ahead and bought DRAM, bought NAND when it was expensive. And then you see it fall off a cliff. It's, it's not about Huawei. This is about DRAM. This is about NAND. This is about supply. This is about demand. And I don't think any, anything is a tailwind right now for them.
4: Do you think that uh, they'll all be down tomorrow, right? The whole sector will be down. But do you think the bars then lowered? And there are others who could oh, jump for,
2: over. For the rest it? of earnings. Yeah, season.
6: yeah eventually. But if you, if you truly look at you saw NAND pop a little bit this year. And the stock, Micron, bounced. And then you see NAND flatten off. And DRAM is still in, in, in the toilet. So the stock should actually be down there, too. Based on the fundamentals, you should not be buying the space, period.
3: I think we just needed to see confirmation that the recovery begun, and this didn't give you that. And I think a lot of people were waiting for that out of these guys, in addition to the gross margin the the uh, And we've seen this over the last couple months. We
5: saw Broadcom give kind of guidance that was not particularly great, um, and that stock has kind of been stuck. If you look at Intel, has given some murky guidance. That was a couple months ago, but that stock is stuck in its 18-month range. Um, interestingly, I think the one you want to watch here is Texas Instruments. They're the one who's been telling us um, throughout this year where they are in the downturn of the cycle, and I think a lot of investors think they're probably one or at most two quarters been very sober. from the end of yeah. this downturn. Um, you know, that thing broke out above 120. And I think you could probably trade it on the long side against 120. But if they guide down, the whole space is going down um, because it's just, you know, I mean, I think to Steve's point, I think there was a lot of double ordering in front of what could have been these later tariffs right. this year.
2: Okay. Up next, more on the big news we brought you at the top of the hour. Endeavor postponing its IPO. We have the full details when we come right back. Welcome back to Fast Money. Let's take a look at some of the biggest headlines this hour. Endeavor now postponing its IPO. The talent agency group was originally expected to price tonight and make its market debut tomorrow. And our Kayla Toshe is reporting that trade talks between the U.S. and China are now set to resume on October 10th. And then there's Las Vegas Sands getting a boost in the after-hour session on reports. It will now replace Nectar Therapeutics in the S&P 500. All right, topping the tape today, Beyond Meat, McDonald's announcing it will be testing a PLT. Plant lettuce tomato burger at 28 restaurants in Canada over the next 12 weeks. They will use Beyond's line, a product in the new sandwich. The stock popped 11% PLT. on the day. PLT.
3: Do you think they'll call it McPlant? McPlant I don't know. I mean, Plant burger? Well, look, for, for McDonald's, who has slowly in the last couple of years gone from being outcast mm-hmm. to actually being somewhat cool. I know this is kind of crazy. Apparently Dan's going there late night and eating. Um, it, it, I, I think this is a great move. And I think it, it just affirms that they are relevant again. They are in the mix. And, and this is this makes a lot of sense for them.
2: I mean, There are plenty of people going to McDonald's who look for healthy options. Like Steve, you go in there and get the artisan chicken sandwich. What makes it but, I think it, but I many. think
6: it is it stands <laughs> to the point where you, they're going to start doing some testing here to see what type of demand there really is. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the, uh, the CEO was on today, and he mentioned, is it people moving away from meat or people coming directly in that that don't go to McDonald's that now are going for plant-based? I think that's going to be the fascinating data points that we see out of this.
4: Would
2: you go? I wouldn't wouldn't buy alt-meat. Okay, I so wouldn't buy you're... an alt meat anything at this point. Why is that? Not. Uh-huh. I don't, I'm not convinced it's healthier.
5: Loaded sodium, I, loaded fat. I, I think it's a pretty lousy thing that the McDonald's people did to our friends up north. I mean, literally, like, listen, you guys try this crap out. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, maybe, maybe we maybe bring it down here. Because
2: Tim Hortons did that with Beyond Meat, I, they, they did that all whole right. sort of rollout. Also, they're more open-minded the, north <laughs> of the border.
3: guys go. We talking. It's a nice thing we're doing. A couple monster stocks that
5: have started to roll over that broke these uptrends that have been really steady, like literally, you know, like McDonald's literally earlier this year was trading 170, got to 220. It has broken that uptrend. Um, And, you know, we're starting to see this from some mega cap stocks. And I mean, these are the sorts of things you want to kind of keep an eye on as the market has stalled a little bit, because uh, I I don't know. I mean, that uptrend is broken.
3: You well, I, accept, right? I look at the same chart, and, and I, I think that the stock is pausing after a ferocious run. I mean, I, it, you know, it's not a surprise it's going to consolidate around 210, so I'm not sure it's broken.
2: All right. Up next, shares a Carnival hitting some rough waters in today's session. The options market's betting on more choppy waters ahead. We'll break down the action, and there's a look at the Kramer cam. Jim is talking Peloton's rough ride and Ooh, how to trade it. That is coming up on Mad Money at the top of the hour. We're live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. Much more Fast money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. No prizes to be won in Carnival today. Carnival Cruise lines down 8% after a disappointing earnings report. And the options market is betting that this stock's travel nightmare is just beginning. Dan is here to break down the extra. Yeah, so this
5: one was interesting. You know, before the opening, they report this disappointing result. The stock gap's down 8%. Um, put volume kind of exploded quickly, five times the average daily. And right after the open, one trader went in when the stock was trading about 44 bucks and bought 2000 of the November 40 strike puts, paying $0.55 cents to open. That's about $110,000 in premium. Not exactly a huge bet, but it does break even down about 10% from the trading level at $39.45. Um, and I think if you want to think about the levels there you wanna look at that chart that is the one-year chart it's been in a very well-defined downtrend it got Right up against it, bad results. Now it's back down towards the lows. I think the really interesting chart to look at is the 10-year chart here. We're talking about a lot of these uptrends. We've been in a very long bull market. That's the 10-year chart right there. This break puts it below that uptrend that's been in place you know, since the wow. lows in the financial crisis. So these are the sorts of things. I'm just saying, every segment, I think I brought one of these up. I think they're important to keep an eye on because the technicals sometimes are telling you something about what might be happening in well, the fundamentals later on.
6: You know, what I think is funny, though, is I would not put this onto Norwegian Cruise Line or Royal. The charts are different. different. Royal is up 10% year-to-date. Norwegian is up 20% year-to-date. They got ahead of their fuel sulfur emissions. Seems like Carnival did not get ahead of that. And their sourcing is done here, where the consumer is in a much better place than in Europe.
3: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I don't think it's a joyride at Carnival. I, I think you have a dynamic here where they they put their yield down, they guide it down on yield. They also they have a they have a terrible European business. They have more exposure to Europe. They have more exposure to hardware, um, and that's something that I think is plaguing this company. Unlike some of the peers, even though discretionary should be under pressure of everything we doom and gloomed about earlier in this show, right. Carnival's going to suffer.
2: Should be under pressure. Carnival's going to suffer. Yeah.
4: Are you concerned yeah. about your airlines? I am. Stocks? I am concerned about the airlines. Uh, you know, I still think they're cheap, but I can't pretend that they're immune. They're not. They're certainly not immune. So,
2: it doesn't thrill me. Yeah. Are you worried about your airline holdings?
3: I tell you, I'm. I'm really not. Um, I, I think airlines will quickly catch up in a downward move in the economy. Right now, I think they're so much better run than they have, and I think they have re-rated. I. I stay here. I like the valuations. Outcast. Okay. Right.
2: What? What'd you say? That's the new
3: thing, Outcast. it. Andre, three thousand for,
2: for more <laughs> options, Andre. action. Check out the full show tomorrow, five thirty p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, final trades. Time for the final trade, Tim Seymour. Oh,
3: wait, I'll give you twenty bucks if you can give me one Outcast song.
2: Uh, you won. <laughs> hey yeah, hey yeah. Twenty. Hey
3: yeah, United Healthcare near two-year <laughs> lows, somewhere around 210. The stock, I think, it's very good support. Valuation makes sense. Finally.
2: You also knew I had. You had no. Sh- I had All right, no shot. Can, I'll take it now.
3: You can Aaron. pay me later. Right. Pay me later. Near
4: all-time highs. Hyg. When markets get ugly, that thing has some downside. Short Hyg. I yeah,
3: I think you want to be
5: selling SMH. I think this uh, guidance from Mike Don opens the door for some negative pre-announcements.
6: It's been my final trade quite often. Lenar, I think it's got about 20% more room to the upside.
2: All right. That does it for us. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Money. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.
1: Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.